You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Looking good. Well, thank, feeling good, Chris. Thank you. You too, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going more towards the fireside chat over here. Off to the corner. What do you think? Yeah, I can see the burn marks around your eyes there. Looks like yeah, <laughs> your safety glasses didn't quite protect your forehead there. <laughs> yep. Oh. <laughs> Every year we go through this, Chris. I know. You, you'd think a guy would remember just to take his glasses off for a little while. You know, you know what would be awesome is if you would actually buy like some of the like the picture here, some starfish sunglasses, so that when you burn, it would be in the shape of a star. So you'd be like a member of Kiss. Totally. Yeah. Next time. Next time. Next weekend, maybe. Did you uh, were you all pontooning or what were you doing? Yes, I actually enjoyed uh, some of the Memorial Weekend, which was kind of nice. Honor our fallen soldiers. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, able to. We stayed home, um, and uh, we're on Prior Lake, so it uh, it's a good time. Very, it was very busy um, out there, but uh, it was yeah. good. Actually, actually, just sat on my dock at one time and just. I mean, everyone kind of came by, and it was yeah. uh, it was pretty fun. Yeah, we uh, we had a, a little time up in Alexandria, and then on the way home, we always stop at my parents' place in Big Lake, right on Highway Ten there. And my God, that was, you would have thought we were at Lake Minnetonka. It was boat to boat. Yeah. Um, and they're all sitting out in our bay because there's, uh, it's kind of out of the wind. And uh, I was out fishing on the end of the dock. I can't sit still. So I'm out there and, and all of a sudden this boat keeps getting closer and closer and closer. Finally, I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? And they just about startled them. They weren't even paying attention. Their boat was drifting into our dock. <laughs> it's like, how, beer's obviously pretty cold today, huh? Enjoying it. I enjoy like all the American flags and stuff that are going around. It's kind of yeah. Memorial Weekend and July Fourth. It's good times. So it's a good, it's a good span here. Yeah, yeah. The last weekend was the first official beach weekend in Italy, so it was really nice swimming. And then they had Freedom Day yesterday too, so everyone was on, oh, wow. on holiday. How, what's that like? I mean, I just I stayed here mostly in my apartment, but usually everyone goes to the beach, and it's after uh, World War II, so it's right after kind of Memorial Day too, which is interesting. And it's their whole freedom, you know, because they became a, re a republic and a full country after that. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Cool. Let's get into it. What's happening in the market? Talk about some mortgage rates. I'm gonna pull up something here. Oh, look at that. There we go. Okay. I think when we're talking about uh, interest rates, I think it's super uh, uh, interesting. And I, I think when you see this this actual graph and see what interest rates have done, it's just, I mean, it's really kind of, it's real interesting. I know there's another one that kind of breaks it down year by year here, Andy. And yeah. um, I, I'm kind of curious if you, re, you remember these times and, I remember when I first got started, and the rate the rates were over ten percent at that time. I mean, remember it was a ten and a half. So we're okay. So nineteen ninety, 
it was 10, 10.13%, but I remember vividly that uh, someone, someone had locked in at 10.5%. This is average over the whole year. But um, to see that, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is, um, you know, everyone talks about our little bubble and uh, if, if it's going to happen again. And we had uh, kind of the peak, I guess, or the peak, the end of the peak was about 2006. And in 2008, we really started kind of getting hit. Yeah. And I think you look at what that interest rate was versus what it is now in, uh, well, that goes to 2020, but here in 2021, um, I mean, it's just kind of, uh, it, it's, there's just so many um, non-similarities from what happened before, don't you think? Yeah, you know, so I got, okay, Andy on his uh, economics class here. I, I look at, you know, the, the, the only reason why people would lend money that cheap is because they have to. So when you look at the, you know, the industry that we're in right now and you look at um, the, uh, the, the rates as low as they are, and, and here's what concerns me. When rates are this low, you know, Chris, it, 100 to the tune of $120 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities is being purchased by our government, okay? $120 billion a month. That, that's unbelievable. And there's not a line of other people that want to buy these. So when you look at, okay, now you have all of these, you know, mortgages that are so cheap and the only ones that are buying them are the feds. At some point in time, you would think, unless somebody's going to start backing it, that there is, you know, the open markets have to get involved, which means rates have to come back up. So I, if you're listening to what I'm saying, we are in one of those opportunities where when you look back, you're going to say, God dang it, I should have took advantage of buying that cabin I've always wanted. And yeah, it seemed like it was more, or maybe that house on the lake or whatever, you know, hence the, the theme. Um, but the idea there is, is that don't hesitate on the opportunities just because, you know, the if, if you're financing, if you're paying cash, you can do whatever you want. Because right now, I don't think it's a great time for cash buyers in the sense that there's no deals to be had. So there's no advantage to cash. You might as well leverage your cash, put it into investments, make your, you know, 10, 12% somewhere else and finance at three and a half or three, you know, 4%. Um, unless, it, unless your cash is in a checking account or a small savings account. Where it's wasting. Yeah, it's actually going down because inflation, as inflation is going to start taking off, you guys, you're going to be in a better position with your money to be leveraged, meaning in loans or in other investments, than you are if you let it sit on the sidelines. Because it'll get to the point of where your money will be eventually worth nothing. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're $2 million sitting in the bank. In a few years, it's going to be worth $1.5 at the rate interest or inflation is going right now. So you got to get your money working for you. Um, you might as well jump into something with real estate. And that's, I believe, why we're seeing the, the pressure still on the markets. That and then lifestyles have changed. I think a lot of people don't believe they're going back to work. So, you know, with rates being low and their lifestyles have changed, people are looking for a place to have an office, looking for a place to work out or have the kids play. And and they're just, the lifestyles have changed. And don't you think in a way it's kind of been, life's kind of been taken away from people. And now they're kind of like, hey, you know what? I want to enjoy it. I mean, and when we see boats and cars and ATVs and all that stuff, I mean, it's trying to find stuff uh, like that. I mean, it's just out of this world. I mean, you're getting used things that are costing more than they would be brand new. Oh, it's nuts. It, it, that part bothers me a little bit. I'm like, okay, guys, we get it. Last summer you had COVID hit you. This summer, the only reason why you don't have supplies is because you don't know how to order your materials properly or there's a lack of them where you should outsource somewhere else because – this whole everybody's out of everything everywhere, so we have to raise our prices is crap. 
But I don't know what to do about it. So in the meantime, yeah. you gotta pay, you gotta pay what they want or you don't get it. Mm-hmm. I keep listening to a bunch of podcasts and, and reading about the whole inflation, but they all keep saying that it's gonna catch up in the next couple of years when the supplies come back. And wouldn't you want to have some cash on hand if this whole market corrects and, and goes down too? Well, yeah. I mean, I always, I, I told myself uh, when 2008 hit um, and then about 2010, 2012, um, I was trying to protect everything that I already owned and didn't have, or didn't have, I don't know, the, uh, the, the guts, I guess, or really the cash to be able to go and grab some of that other stuff and just trying to save what I had. And uh, I said that I would always, I would be ready the next time this thing came around. And uh, I just don't know if we're there. We're just not, just doesn't seem like we're there yet um, with everything else with inventory shirts going up a little, but um, it's still, it's still pretty fierce out there. Uh, I just did But I agree to that, Chris, because I agree with you a million percent. I think this is economic opportunities in front of people and they're raising their prices because they can, not because they have to. I think there's, you know, a lot of those. I mean, now you go to the restaurant that closes at 8 p.m. because they don't have staff and the staff's been working since noon. And, you know, that's different. I think some people, there's a labor shortage. We got to stop giving people free money. I hate to say it, but we do get these people back to work. There's so many jobs out there right now that people aren't even applying for. It's unbelievable. Everybody's got this. I'm just getting a check, so I'm going to sit back and wait for the next one. And it it's crap. And I think that, you know, this that new lifestyle of whatever, okay, pandemic's gone. Everybody's hiring. You need to get out and get a job because you're more than capable to. You should. And then that – here's what's funny. So make fun of me all you want for saying stuff like that. But now that person has pride in, in themselves. Now they're going to go out and become a profitable part of the economy, meaning that they're going to prosper. They'll, they'll buy things. They'll rent things. They'll, you know, buy groceries. They're not sitting there just sucking from the economy. They're helping produce a bigger, more vibrant economy. And, and I tell you that with housing right now, even though prices are crazy, what are you going to do if, if lumber is twice as high next year? These are the conversations we're having with our suppliers. They can't tell us that lumber is going to come down. I mean, it actually went up again this week. We're at the point where we're ready to do our seventh price increase since the beginning of the year with new construction. We're restructuring purchase agreements because the costs keep going like this. Eventually, people will stop ordering houses or they won't be able to afford them, except for the very few. And, and so then that it's a commodity. So hence the adjustment will come. But uh, for right now, I don't I don't see it, at least in my you know eyesight. Yeah, I think, you know, I sat in an open house this weekend on Sunday and it was on the lake. And uh, it was a house that, I mean, obviously the prices have gone up. And I, I thought we priced it real good, but it was really interesting listening to the people that, and I probably had over 20 couples come in that um, were, you know, like, oh, this market, it's crazy. I mean, what would this have even listed for two years ago? And, you know, all that kind of talk. And some people are like, oh my gosh, I mean, we're just sitting on the sidelines and we're just waiting. Well, they've been waiting a year and these prices are going up 100,000 on them. And, and then there's other people that are just like, oh my gosh, let's get it. We ended up having, you know, multiple offers and uh, did very well um, on our uh, on our offer that we accepted. And it's just, Andy, you you've been you've said stuff on here that I was at the beginning. I was kind of like, what? Well, that's a lot of stuff. But um, <laughs> but you you said and this is and, it, and it's true. And this is what people are are coming and and doing is that, like you said, it's a payment. It's not really what you're paying for it. It's what you're paying on it. 
And I think that's really interesting because, and if we look at those interest rates things, you know, I mean, 3% from 2000, what eight was until what today is, I mean, there's a 3% difference on that. And that's huge. That's a huge number um, where payments are half the amount, half the amount of what they were before. And that's what people are saying. You know what? Hey, I've got to pay 50, 70,000 more, but gosh, darn it. My payments, you know, exactly what I want. And I want this house. Well, you know, I think a lot of people too, when they're, when they're wise, they, they will get that lower payment, pay double payments on the house or pay a payment in half. And they nibble down that equity pretty fast to where, or their, their, um, what they owe on the property. And it gets nibbled down pretty quick. And then if they ever do hit hard times, you go back to the normal 30 year payment, you know, mm -hmm. but most people, you know, and I, and I say this as most, I shouldn't categorize like that, but a lot of people um, will pay whatever the payment is. They pay whatever the minimum is. And that's unfortunate, but it, it, you know, it makes a lot of money for everybody that's in the finance business. But, um, you know, it, it is a, the economy run right now is actually perfect for the person that wants to own boats and campers and, and, you know, uh, all the toys because the toys keep going up. I mean, try, try to find a pontoon right now, try to find a jet ski right now. When you do find them, they're selling the used ones for the price of the new ones. And you call these people and they laugh and they say, I know, I can't believe I'm going to get this either. If you don't buy it, somebody else will buy it tomorrow. You know? So it's like, it's, it's, that's hyperinflation. I don't know. I've never been in this environment. I'm hoping it's temporary, but you know, you look at gas prices have jumped. I mean, crazy in the last, you know, six months, you've got inflation with, you know, all the, the building materials and, and regardless of the reason why it's happening. So what do we do about it? And I, and I, you know, it gets to a certain point of where, huh, you know, something's got to change or something's going to stop. One, it, it, the market will correct itself naturally, but it's like, how much of a correction will you have? Is, is my million dollar question. Do you think we will go back to the good old days, like when this uh, photo was taken for like interest rates? <laughs> Hopefully they, they don't have those granimals still. Hey, look hey. at that. My, my face is still lighting up over on that thing too. Look at that. You had, you had the same sunglasses. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, thank you, Son. What year was that, Chris? That was—I mean, I think I was about a sixth, fifth, sixth grader, right there. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Right, let's go to our next topic: sight unseen for buyers and sellers. Your guys' tips, your experience with them. Where's the bum bum bum? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, um, sight unseen offers. Uh, I think a, a little um, nerve wracking for both sides, really, you know, people not ex knowing exactly what you got, but I'll tell you what technology nowadays is, is so good. Uh, the whole Matterport thing. I mean, you can go through a house and, and see it a heck of a lot clearer than you would even be in at the house, you know, um, going through every room and staring at every inch of that ceiling and taking your time. Um, you know, I mean, really with showings nowadays and some of the properties that are, you know, let's say under 300, around 300,000, you get 15 minutes to go look at it, you know? And so having a Matterport or videos and all that kind of stuff is, uh, is a way to do it. But it's, it's scary when anyone doesn't see it, they, you know, you get buyer remorse and, uh, from the seller side, you know, you're worried about someone getting buyer remorse. I, uh, I I hear the word sight unseen and think of non-refundable earnest money, oh. and and people start going, well, well, wait a minute, why do you want ten thousand non-refundable? I go, why do you think we're going to believe that you're actually going to perform on this contract? 
Th think about it for a second. When somebody sure. writes a deal, this is what I hate about multiple offers. People are looking at what's important to them. Is it the high price? Is it the whatever? You know, or and, and now you look at a buyer that's coming and not even seen the property. So in theory, you could pull the carpet out of the house, you know, as long as it matches the photos, replace whatever. I mean, whatever. I'm just or there's a right. new scene in the floor and you say it was always there. Um, or that yep, that sink always dripped. Um, you know, so you're an idiot if you're buying a house on scene, in my opinion. I think you're crazy. I'd rather say, hey, listen, we will come in and do a 15-minute showing. Um, we'll give you five thousand dollars for having the privilege of being first. Um, or whatever, non-refundable, or, so, or whatever you're willing to risk. But sight unseen, to me, people buy houses usually off of emotion. And can you imagine if that house isn't what they want? They're going to emotionally detach really fast, which means they're going to they're going to run. So I, I worry about sight unseen buyers. I've had three three this year, uh, and they're they were my buyers. Um, sight unseen for all of them, and all the things you just talked about. Uh, I discussed with them and, you know, expressed, you know, what the fears of a seller are. But I'll tell you what, which I think is kind of interesting and why people are starting to do it is that they're finding an area and an area that they want to be in. And they're willing to modify the house with what they have to do to be able to be in that area. And that's what people are doing. They're coming in and they're and that's what we're explaining to the sellers. Yeah, they haven't seen it, but we did go through, you know, like a virtual showing and doing that. And you know what, during COVID, that wasn't super unusual. Some people weren't, were afraid to kind of go out. And, and so we were doing it that way. Um, but I think now also from a seller perspective, because one of them was a dual agency type thing, which means I represent both the buyer and the seller. And you know, you have to tell the seller the same things that Andy was just saying. And, but is going back to them, it's, it's like, you know, people need a home right now. It's not like, hey, we'll tie this thing up and then um, we'll dump you later on because we'll go grab another house and then try to do what you got to do with it. And that it, that's just not happening right now. Right. So it's a little different than it was a year, so, two so years ago. For the, for the viewers and listeners here, let's uh, talk a little about what is it coming soon? Because I think that's new to the marketplace. If you haven't sold in a few years, um, you're like, what are these all these coming soons? And that's kind of what this topic is really kind of flirting around with is the idea of, you have a coming soon period where we can market the property to the public without it being able to be shown, including by the listing agent. So you're not allowed to show the property. You're not allowed to, you're just allowed to put it out there. Let everybody know it's coming soon, like a movie and there's no, you know, premiere, there's no nothing. And then once it goes live is when you can start letting showings. And what we're seeing is, is people writing offers during the coming soon period where they haven't even seen the house and they're just writing an offer. Now I had one a couple of years ago, I had a buyer from Japan, um, bought a house for me. Uh, the guy was coming in, got a job at 3M. And um, he, he was like, I just can't get there. And so we did the uh, over the phone, um, Apple, you know, whatever they, I forget what they call that. Right. He's turned my phone on and, FaceTime. and we're walking around with FaceTime and this guy's, oh my God, this is great. I love the house. He goes, what's that up there? What's it? And I bring the phone right up to the item. That to me technically was never visited, but it was detailed and viewed. Um, and that uh, that house was also not in the coming soon period. That was actually beyond that. So it's not like I was breaking the rules on my listing. Yeah, I think to the word sight unseen, what what does that really mean? Um, it's say, hey, I didn't even see it. I just put it in offer or, hey, I saw it online and did all that. Like I didn't physically see it. Yeah. And I think that's what we're talking about is not physically getting into it and, and, and seeing that the house.
Well, when I had investors back in the day, a lot of them were, we were working with bank owned properties. We'd write, you know, 10 offers a day without seeing the properties. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause it didn't matter. Write them and see what happened. Yeah. You were, you were looking for that. Hey, it had, that, that it had good bones in what area it was in and your investors assume that hey we're gonna have to replace everything anyway well, the cancel on inspection yeah or inspection yeah sight unseen um because andy wishes we didn't see that last video last week i felt bad so <laughs> am i am i gonna regret this in the future this is a recent video of me andy check it out ciao bella nick rooney quarterback Number four, I love being in Italia. Life is good, got the spritz, aperitivo time. Uh, La Dolce Vita, ciao. What do you think about that one? Uh, is that a dating profile? No, it's for my, it's for my football team. <laughs> it, uh, that's on Tinder, ladies. So. <laughs> Tinder profile. I think his. I, I don't think he would have said his real name, right? On Tinder, or do you? No. Do you? I this don't is the. Uh, this is the American meatball. Hey. <laughs> speaking I mean of that in a complimentary way, low fat speaking, meatball. Speaking of pros, let's talk about negotiating like a pro in real estate. Okay. What are you guys' big tips? Um, I, I think from. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're, I'm talking to other realtors, I mean, you gotta you gotta remember what you you talked about, and if you're using things that are probably not uh, true or maybe white lies, um, you know, like hey, I'm looking at two other houses, and in another conversation, you're looking at three other houses. Uh, you have to remember kind of what you're uh, negotiating about, uh, and and that it's all got to make sense, because I'll tell you what, that's the one thing I go after all the time is is try to uh, Tear someone's story apart uh, for my for my clients. Um, obviously, uh, advantage on that. I think there was a uh, back in the day. I remember what book I read, where it said, "When you're negotiating, if you understand the motivation of the person across the table from you or their client, your negotiations will be much smoother." And and so, what is there like when an agent will call and say, "Hey, you know, um, what closing date do you guys want?" They're asking that because they want to take an objection away when you're reading their offer. Well, this hits closing date. How much earnest money do you guys expect to have down? Well, 5,000 or more. So you put 5,000 or more down. So all these things are getting lined up. And then when it comes right down to it, but my seller really wants to keep the whatever. And, and, and now, you know, you go to your client and say, hey, let's do this. Let's exceed this, 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 and this. And then let's guess on this because I heard about it. I don't know how to help you on that one, but Let's, let's, you know, or leave it behind. Let's say, take, take the drapes, take the, whatever it is that you think that they want. And then you present your offer. And I think that it's, it's a, in today's market, um, negotiations are different. We're negotiating to get the deal. We're not, we're not negotiating to get the best deal in the twin cities. That's different when markets change. And then there's, you know, 10 properties to pick from and you attack a seller on an offer and you go in there and you're, you're, it's a buyer's market. Um, that's a whole different strategy. That's where then you're presenting comps. You're maybe presenting, you know, all kinds of other data that support why your offer reflects what it does. So I use logic a lot of times like the, hey, tell me how I'm wrong here. Here's three solds that sold for 1.2 million. You guys are asking 1.4.
yeah. or, or whatever, right? I mean, and that's how I would approach it. But yeah, I think negotiating too, like a pro, is I, I'm always looking for the competency of that agent because that reflects on what maybe the buyer's been told or understood right. and, and, and what you're dealing with. And the other thing is, is I think in negotiations, the best thing you can do is, is time. If you have time, uh, that really helps. Now in this market, it's it's not as much, almost time on the opposite, that you have to react really quick. I mean, when we're doing multiple offers and then all of a sudden you go back and say, hey, we're going to go with your offer, but we need this, this, and that. And they take 24 hours to switch it. That doesn't work. And so um, after learning, you know, like trusting people in which to do that, it's kind of like, you know what, this deal is not done. I mean, in, in until I have that signed agreement from you and we sign it. I'm just letting you know that if someone does come back and switch their offer, because what happens, Andy, I mean, when they say they're looking at offers at four o'clock and all of a sudden it's seven o'clock and you're, and you're not getting a call from that other agent, you know, they're trying to deal with somebody else. And so Andy might call up at seven and say, Hey, you know, I, I don't know how it's going, but my buyer wants to go up $10,000. Right. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that can change some things in a real hurry. And sometimes realtors get stuck in, hey, I already told this guy he's going to get it or this gal is going to get it, um, but I haven't got anything back from him. And that's why you kind of got to, you know, keep people keep people on their toes and get it done. Because in this in this world right now, it ain't done. It's not done until it's both signed by both parties and delivered back. And that whole delivered back is a big thing because in this market, people are making multiple offers on different properties. And if it gets accepted, and then they bow out of the other one. I've had it happen where I've gone yeah, back and said, by hey. By the way, that's illegal, by the way. So those of you that are getting excited thinking about doing that, 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 and, and you know what? I even say, Chris, one farther. It's not a, a valid deal until everybody's signed, sealed, delivered. But it's also, you know, it's not a deal until you have that cash in the bank and deposit it. I mean, I'm telling you, I've seen so many of these deals where you get right down to the, the, the end of the negotiations and something happens. And, you know, so negotiating is also, I think, you know, if you think of yourself as being the, the person that keeps the deal together, you're kind of the glue, if you will. Um, that's that's a big part of negotiating in today's marketplace with the buyers and the sellers is getting the thing to close. And and how do you how do you do win win negotiation in real estate with the other agent? How do you get to be on the same side? And not be so adversarial against the other agent. Try to get the best for both clients. Is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. You know, and it's it, that's the part about being a professional. You know, and it's not it's not about me and you, agent. It's about our clients and doing what's best for them. And unfortunately, you know, from a buyer or from a seller side, we're in we're in control. You know, but it's it's kind of uh, one of those situations that uh, you just. I think being straight up and honest, I mean, is a real weird concept, but that's the way that I do it. And because here's the other thing, Nick, is that it's a small world out in the real estate industry. And the next deal that you have might be with uh, someone that works with this other person. And they went back to the office and said, gosh, that Rooney was such a jerk. And he, he wouldn't accept our offer. And I think he just kind of stiffed us. And that other agent in the office heard it and said, oh, oh, Rooney wrote an offer on mine. Uh, I think we're not going to deal with him. So um, this well, kind of stuff know, comes back. Well, you know, Chris, we're fiduciaries, right? So as we guide our clients in, in that capacity, our clients' best interests are our best interests. That doesn't mean that you have to be a jerk or unprofessional. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot of times where I will almost befriend, if you will, the other agent when, when it's when it's available and just say, hey, how, you know, how are you doing with your client? 
It's amazing yeah. to me how many other agents will say, oh, I'm so glad you guys wrote an offer. This client is so difficult, and I would love to see us get this deal done. Um, let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. Well, then, then you kind of already know that, hey, if I'm nice to this agent, the agent will, will do a great job of you know, presenting our offer because they're motivated to get the deal closed as well. And it doesn't mean that they're giving up anything for their client. It's just a matter of they just want to help. They want to let you know crystal clear, hey, what can we do to help you entice you to keep that offer coming in that, that meets my seller's requirements or, or vice versa, whatever. And, and it's a, uh, it, I, I think the win-win part comes from um, agents that are professional to each other. I think that is a huge part of it. It doesn't mean that you're nice. doesn't mean that you're mean or whatever. Just be professional. Be informative to each other. Keep each other in the loop. Um, be timely with your information. Hey, this just happened. Or I presented the offer and this is how the response was. And so they want to wait till tomorrow to give you an answer. Is that going to work for you guys? Yes, it is. No, it's not. I mean, whatever that, you know, whatever situation you might have, but just keeping the other party um, informed, I think is, is a very uh, uh, good way to be win-win with any situation. What about negotiating with your own clients and getting them to think it was their idea, what you wanted? Make them think, yes, that they're the one that decided, hey. but you were pushed them that way. Hey, we can't talk about everything on this program. Yeah. This is, this is you, by the way. I pulled this photo up. How you're, how you're acting, Chris. This is you with the fireside chat. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. That guy did wear sunglasses, though. Was that was that actually showing him in his wheelchair? Uh, I think he's in his just, yeah, no, it is. They, they hid that from the public for years. See that? Oh, it looks like it's a round wheelchair. They said there's very few photographs of, of him where he was in a wheelchair, and any almost none. Huh. Yeah. Showing, yeah, not showing weakness. Probably. They would literally have him stand up in the back of the motorcades. They would hold him up and he would stand there and he couldn't even stand on his own. And he'd sit there and wave as he's standing. And to, yeah, perception. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Does my point make sense, though, with getting the other agent to think it was their idea? Is that a good way to do things? Giving them oh. options and 100%. Lead them to the conclusion you want. Um, I think that's what. My, like I try to market my listings as is that it's not like, Hey dummy, it's a four bedroom house in this area. You should buy it, but yet give them the different things that, you know, Hey, uh, in a, in a cul-de-sac next to a park and, um, close to freeways and access. And it's kind of like, Oh my gosh, this must be a great area in which to be able to live. And, and I think once you get them to believe, um, that it's better than telling them what they should believe. Yeah. I agree. I think that, you know, the other getting it to believe that it's their idea is, is a is a technique. And when you get that, you know, there's, you know, I, I actually study this quite a bit, the different personality types that are out there, you know, and you've got the aggressive, you know, um, personalities, you've got the attention seeking personalities, you've got the analytical style personalities, and, and learning how to negotiate with each personality type, I think is, and we may do it subconsciously from experience, but when you get that overly aggressive you know, um, D on a disc, you know, profile style personality, you have to make them feel like they won. You have to give them fans, fast answers or they lose interest in you and go away. So it's like, yes, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. That was a great idea that you came up with. We're all very grateful that you uh, have entered into negotiations with us. And, uh, you know, wow, you're an amazing negotiator. Good job. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I told you I'd win this deal. And you just got them for 30 grand more than asking. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's like that. It, so yes. 
You, you got a fan. Mr. Cool Guy. Rebecca. Rebecca worked with me for a, a while. Now she's out in your neck of the woods, Nick, Colorado. Oh, the old right. neck of the woods, yeah. So. Any listeners, make sure, I mean, if you want to ask your questions, throw them in our, our Facebook chat and we can pop them up on the screen. Our next segment, the term of the day, the rent back. Let me. Rent back. I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a very interesting word nowadays and it's happening a lot um, because what people are doing is they're selling their house and they're, the, the big scare is that I'm not going to be able to find something. And so people are selling and then having the option to rent back for a certain amount of time. Now, most mortgages require that that buyer has to move in within 60 days. Uh, but yet if we if we close quicker, you know, so say even even from a seller's standpoint, when that seller is going to buy something, if their house is closed rather than, hey, it's going to close on this date and then we'll close on yours. There's still a chance that that deal might not close. So if you do a rent back, we can close super fast and then have a rent back of two months. And now that buyer can basically go out there and be non-contingent completely, which is a, a better negotiating position to be in. So that rent back, it's basically your your new buyer becomes your landlord. That that goes back into our previous uh, you know segment, We're talking about negotiations. Um, some people will have the intent of selling their house and automatically requiring a rent back agreement be in play. Um, for the reasons Chris just said, and, it, and I mean, it, it only makes sense because if the seller's in control, once you've sold, now you've lost your leverage. Now you're just another buyer out there with a bunch of money, like everybody else, which sounds crazy, but it's true. And you're out there struggling to find the place. So it, it is a, um, um, I don't know, nice leveraging tool. We also used to do, um, instead of the rent backs, we used to do contingencies upon the seller finding the house of their choice. But the market's moving so fast right now, and it it to get something done in a month or two weeks um, is pretty tough, you know, because the negotiations are fast and hard and intense, or there's nothing for sale, and then all of a sudden then there's three, and then there's nothing, and so it's it's been a real interesting market for most buyers. So I I recommend you stay away from that, but um, the rent backs are nice. Yeah, it is nice. You still pay though for it. I mean, by the way. So you're still paying whatever the equivalent is of that. So you sold a six hundred thousand dollar house, and the person's payment's thirty five hundred. You're probably gonna be asked to pay four grand for that month. Yeah, but um, I, actually, some some offers now, Andy, as well. We just did one um, for a buyer, and that was kind of our uh, big thing. You know, that whole talking to the other agent and trying to find out what yeah. the seller was needing. And rather than going crazy on the price, we went back and said, hey, we'll let you stay there for 60 days for rent free. Yeah. And and when you do that, it kind of, you know, it just, it separates you. Like, oh my gosh, we can stay here. Yeah, but that one will give you more money. Yeah, but we don't have to worry about anything. And sometimes that whole worry thing is worth five to 10 grand. Yeah. Chris, you look cool, but I found a good photo of Andy when he had... Longer hair, slick back. This is a good one. Oh, wow. wow. That's, That's actually what I was on TV. I look like a reporter. This one, too? That. Where was this at? Uh, that was a great <laughs> picture, by the way. Thank you. Um, Care 11. Um, <laughs> nice clip. That, that, that actually, I was talking in that clip. That was back yeah, when we were a big I deal. Longer hair you, didn't know, you didn't know we had a movie star with us here. Yeah, well, I used to have this uh, when we were doing the CCO thing. We would uh, we'd get invited to join in on some of these TV um, 
shows, you know, like the morning shows or whatever, and the, or the afternoon, and they would have questions about the marketplace. And it was kind of fun. But man, I'll tell you what, the uh, it's interesting, TV, they read teleprompters, and they look pretty. On the radio, you're in sweatpants, you look ugly, but you have to be quick on your feet. So it's two different creatures. So when you transition from like radio, where we're, you know, wearing jerseys and, you know, talking smart, to all of a sudden you're on the TV and you, you're sitting there all serious, you know, and there, and then here's, what's crazy. Those newscasters or anchors are gorgeous. I mean, they're, they're beautiful humans and their skin is perfect and they're a perfect shape and they're, all of them are really little. And so you get there and I look like this big monster. I was sitting this, in that interview. I sat next to, uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, uh, Reg Regina Sar Sargentopoulos. Yeah, does that sound right? Rena. Rena. Yeah. And uh, what a wonderful person, though. By the way, just super nice. And then I sat there and I sat next to her, and they kept lowering my seat down in that shot because they were like, uh, "Yeah, it doesn't look right." <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Not that I'm that big, but I, I compared to her, she's a little peanut. I remember, so. I remember at the state fair, you guys had some fans at that booth. You guys were well known. Yeah, still are. Yeah, they used to bring us three, three samples. Remember that? That was nice. I remember missed the, that. Drink, the beer one when you used to drink. Remember, long time ago. I mean, that yeah. seems like so long. Before ago. I lost my liquor license. But we were out at that state fair. I mean, for what eleven years. Uh, that was that was that was fun. Maybe maybe we rent our own tent, and get a big keg, and have a, a party for the podcast there. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to invite us back for the reunion tour, but that uh, hasn't been. My phone is still collecting dust. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into our practical value segment. Talking about the master bedroom. What are you guys seeing trendy? What do you think works? Um, what doesn't? I'll throw up some photos, but let's hear your thoughts. What are you guys seeing? Nothing. You. Okay. Just we're waiting for you. Me. Yeah. Okay. Whenever you're ready. We're, we're waiting for a little canopy bed frame here. Um, that's, I think it's a lot better than the other ones that have uh, all the frilly stuff on it. It makes the room look smaller. I think it's the size of the bedroom uh, that you'd have. And those lights obviously add a lot to this canopy. I, I like that. I actually was at a cabin um, last winter up at Grandview and they had lights like this next to the bed. And what was cool is that like it, it perfect for reading. Um, and, and it really, it's a subtle, you know, nice, I don't know. I liked it. The frame you, part, I've never been a fan of the frames, but it adds an element could, to the room, I guess. You could jump out and do pull-ups like before you go to bed and when you get up. Yeah. All the yeah. way around. <laughs> Woo. Woo. I like this. Some vintage uh, screens in the side of the room. You change behind them. It's kind of got a yeah, cool flare. We have we have one of those at our cabin with a commode behind it. <laughs> hey, there's there's a reason HGTV is a multi billion dollar business because of uh, staging and props like that that make a, a room look uh, better. And I mean, you give it to a master room, and you know, I mean, a kitchen. That kitchen and master bedroom are big sale points. Mm -hmm. All right, this next one, we were talking about this kind of last week, the, the peel and stick. Wallpaper? Let's see. <clears throat> yeah, that whole wall, kind of a mural. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think you, you can do that. And I think from a, a listing perspective, I mean, if it's not, 
gonna just throw you out because sometimes pictures like that can completely throw people off but to let people know that it is um you know removable uh very easily if if you don't like it i love the photos in that picture they look really nice isn't that nice yeah it's pictures of all the ghosts they've seen in the house totally oh. totally Nat natural textures are back huh yeah. 2021 I think a mixture of textures are uh, in for sure. I think it, uh, you know, I mean, even if like that one, you have an all white house and you kind of add that sort of stuff, just gives it kind of a different flair. People have been trying to do that uh, with with all the built-ins, uh, but if you can add furniture to it, uh, I know my house is a, uh, plays off of that. Mostly it's mostly white and there's some wood that's speckled in, but then you use kind of the furniture to play off of it. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I, you know, yeah. How important is your bed in the master bedroom? Do you buy the nicest one? What about spacing? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the bed in the master bedroom? I think it, you got to be careful with uh, spacing. You know, the bed's got to fit the room, and you got to try to get at least one nightstand in there. I mean, if it's if everything's lined up against a wall and you have no room, it just doesn't look that good. Um, so it is it's i mean to me it's all about the appearance of what that room is going to be and what their house is going to look like so um andy what do you think agreed i think that the um a lot of times these furniture stores sell gigantic furniture and the average person's house you know you have a a 10 by 11 for a bedroom and most ramblers you know and all of a sudden you've got a big bed with a big headboard and it just doesn't all fit um, there's a lot of times where people live in houses a lot differently than when we sell houses. So you may live in it with all that big furniture because that's what you want and the 80 inch TV in the corner. Um, but when it comes down to selling, you want to, you want to make it feel spacious. So whatever you can do, listen to your stager or like Chris was saying, you know, maybe remove a few things or buy like model home builders do. They buy furniture that's smaller. It's just, it's like 80% of scale. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit smaller than your average couch and smaller than your average whatever. And then everything fits really nicely. And it, it uh, if, you're, if you're staging. How about flooring, the master bedroom? We just recommended um, a seller to do that, actually switch it to wood flooring in the master, kind of to set it off. Uh, so it was, and basically what happened is that they replaced all the carpet through the hallway. And then it came to the master bedroom and it was different. So we had to do something uh, in there and we couldn't get that same type of carpet. So we went with the wood to kind of set it off and make it um, much more elite. And it turned out great. Agreed. I think that it looks nice. Um, I think that if you're, if you're a sensitive sleeper, um, everything gets echoed um, with a wood floor versus a carpet floor can absorb sounds. Um, but it does look very nice. I know a lot of new construction um, we do that when people have allergies or, you know, things like that. And it helps to, um, but from a strictly a resale value, I just think it looks cool. How important is it for good lighting in the master bedroom and how can you improve it? Lighting is very important and improving it uh, is, is using lamps, using additional light areas because Obviously, natural light's important, but you can boost that natural light with lamps and uh, overhead lighting and light bulbs as well. And sometimes you don't want to live like that. You don't want it, you know, shining on you super bright like that. But when you're showing it, it's really important to show the size of that that room and light makes it bigger. 
Well, just like anything else, I mean, you know, like even when the, a restaurant photographs their food, they use different bulbs and different colors and different, you know, so you do want to take a look at that house when it's going to be shown. And, and you look at it from the, okay, most of my showings this time of the year will be with sunlight outside because uh, we're only allowing showings till 8 o'clock. What lamps should we have? What color should the bulbs be? You know, maybe you do take out some of the energy efficient bulbs because they burn really white and are sterile and almost have that, you know, um, cafeteria feel to them. So you may want to go back and find some of those Edison style bulbs and they can be high efficiency as well or do some other warmer, you know, you want to create a cozy, warm, inviting environment, not only just in the master bedroom, but in, in, in all throughout the house. So people feel cozy and they feel at home. Last one. How about adding floating shelves? I'll tell you what, floating shelves are huge. Like in, in kitchens now, people are actually removing cabinets and, and putting those in. And I think it just gives you, you can kind of, um, I don't know, create create some ambiance and um, some decor by, by putting them in. And, you know, a lot of people will do, you know, uh, painted or a wood one or uh, with some real cool brackets on them. And you can kind of... Uh, you know that's that to me is kind of like the the whole Pinterest staging type thing, and but it but it works. You know it makes it uh, decorative and it, it and it feels good and not bulky. I think Andy Agreed. agrees. Last segment we got story time. I don't know Andy, you got to jump out. If not, no worries. Or we got some good stories. We lost them. In, in over someone's head, people that were just getting into something crazy, whether it be an investment or an agent uh, working a deal. What do you got? You know what? I've got uh, one on an agent, and uh, this one was really quite interesting. Uh, this was a few years back, and what happened was is that I had a listing, and it had been on the market for quite a while, and we kind of um, pressed it a little, you know, and it was on the market almost six months, and we were ready, almost ready to uh, do a reduction, a price reduction on the property, and we got a showing. And uh, this showing came in and they were super excited and they wanted to be able to write an offer. And they said, but we do, it was at an open house. And I said, but we do, we have an agent. Um, it's my brother and he'll, he'll be calling you. Well, the brother called up and basically told me, just says, Hey, it's, this is my first deal. Now we're talking, I mean, at the time in that price point, it was a luxury home. So it was in the top 10% uh, of the marketplace. Um, remember, we've been on the market six months, and he said to me, he says, I just don't know what to do. Uh, my broker's not around, um, but we, we want this house really bad, and uh, I, what do we do? And I said, well, I can certainly help you with that. And so I went over the offer with him and showed him and told him everything to do, and uh, we got down to the price, and I said, okay, in the price, you put the price, which is which was the full listing price at the time. It was like six ninety nine. So we put in. I said you put in six hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred dollars, and then uh, we do the closing dates, and then so we went through that whole thing, and basically um, their agent that they had um, went back to them and had them sign that agreement, and my seller's like, what? I mean, after six months, you got full price, and uh, 
it was just one of those cases that the guy was just over his head. He didn't have um, the help on the other side. And it was just kind of uh, sad. But I mean, I, I obviously have to represent my my client and I'm not going to say, well, you know, hey, why don't you offer him this? I can't I can't do that. And um, so that is kind of sometimes over head, over one's head. And we find that we see that a lot in the luxury um, market, because what happens, Nick, is really interesting is that it happens a lot over the Internet and they get they see this listing. And they say, OK, hey, we're just going to go see it. We'll just call the listing agent. Well, it goes into one of the websites and then all of a sudden it becomes a lead to someone and a lead that this this agent's never sold a luxury home before. And now they're coming in and turning into representing this client and they don't know how to handle it because it is different. It's it's a different um, it's a different way of, of doing things in uh, certain markets. And th these people are just kind of like, well, over their head. And uh, it's it's really interesting in which to watch. And I think if if you do get in that situation, if you're a realtor, I think you really should um, try to get someone in with you that uh, can help you through it and and learn that first time. So it's a it's a good experience, and and then that client might uh, recommend you to someone else at that point. But a lot of them are it's kind of like one and done, and you can kind of look at agents' um, statistics and and you can see that there's kind of this anomaly that they end up selling one but you know did that person get their best representation so i mean a lot of agents get bad reps like that meme at the beginning we talk about people mad because yeah. um, don't yeah. call me overpaid because i sold your home fast that's exactly what you wanted but is there a lot of people in the industry that are in over their head Oh, yeah, I think real estate's a big time. I mean, you got to remember 50% of the agents out there um, have one sale or no sales. So, I mean, that's half of the agent population that do it. That's, for a lot of people, there's a lot of part-timers in it as well. And uh, what I found is that people just don't know, especially with the, the advent of electronic signatures, uh, these buyers don't even know what they're signing, you know, and no one's really explaining it to them and understanding and protecting them. And uh, I think that's a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. So I think you, uh, you know, and I've, and I've been saying it here for the last uh, year and a half, probably, that there's no more better time than to be able to pick the right agent than it has been uh, in the last year and a half. you got to pick someone that knows what they're doing, that's in the game, that understands it. And, um, you know, and that that meme was perfect. And it's kind of like, well, geez, you didn't really have to do anything. Oh, well, no, we did a we did a ton of stuff because every um, it's not like you underprice uh, like, oh, we're just going to underprice and get it sold. We don't have to worry about it. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And I talk to people about the transaction and the transaction to me is this. And your house is right here. It's everything leading up to this point. And then it's selling your house and get that all done. And then it's taking care of you after the fact. So there's no problem. And so that transaction is a long thing. It's kind of like you go into, and I hate these, these, these analogies, but it's true. Um, you know, if you went in for, you know, surgery on your knee, would you like to be in there seven days so they could do the surgery on it? Or would you like it in and out and have to do the right work in one hour? You would pick the one hour and be on your way and, and doing what you got to do, you know? And I think some people think, oh, it's just too easy for you. And it's it's just, it's not the case. There's so much more that goes into it that uh, people don't see. So, As a client, how do you spot an agent that might be in over 
their head? Is it the education? Is it the experience? What can you kind of see that like, okay, maybe this, this isn't the type of agent that I should work with? Interview a couple other ones. And I think you'll find out pretty darn quick. Um, I was just in on one and uh, they said, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, hey, it's great. I think everything I got referred to you, blah, 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 um, that I want. But I, I did set up two other appointments with agents. And, you know, in, in my point is you should, you should, you should meet with them. You know, I want, I want you to be absolutely positive that who you're working with is who you want to work with. And if it's not me, then, then that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm confident enough to be able to say, hey, bring in a couple other agents. And uh, if you want to, you know, use them. That's that's fantastic, because not everyone's for everyone. It's just not, you know. And uh, and I think you know, as agents, we're kind of this. Oh, you have to list everything. Anyone who wants to list with you, you have to do it. No, that's not true, because sometimes it doesn't work. And I'll tell you what, you're invested with these people. And the thing that uh, people don't realize is that, and, and Andy mentioned this fiduciary responsibility. We have that forever on this person. So it's kind of like when you pick your clients, you're you're picking them the whole way through. Because later on, if you guys didn't get along and they want to try to buy something, if you had a relationship with them, you can't do what's best for your seller by knowing everything about this person. You can't talk about what you um, represented with them. And now all of a sudden they become a dual agency on the other side when you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, these people are are this and this. I wouldn't really trust them. You can't do that because I have a fiduciary responsibility to them because they were my client at one time. That should have been uh, Rooney's rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, what were we on, story time? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, what is it, it comes down to education though? Should agents that are on the fence just educate themselves more? 100%. Education to me is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing lacking uh, in, in our real estate industry. And, um, you know, and doing it and knowing the forms. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could go through the whole form without even looking at it, you know, and, and understanding it. But you have to understand that. I mean, these are legal forms that your clients are signing. And they're not, you know, two pages like they used to be. They're 20 some pages at, when it's all done and said. If you add all the addendums on a disclosure statements, I think 10 or 13 pages. It's crazy. I mean, you got to, you have to know this stuff, but I think people are so focused on just trying to get a sale that um, they don't, um, th that they're, they're prospecting rather than getting knowledge. But people don't understand um, referrals are the best source. And if you take care of someone, they're going to send you to someone else because you took care of them. People don't refer people that don't make them look good. I'll tell you that. They don't do it because, hey, we're buddies. You know what, Nick, you're a great guy. I know you just got uh, into the industry and you're going to look make me look great selling this $2 million house. They don't do that. They say, you know what, I know this other person that knows what they're doing and it, they're going to like me better because of that, you know, so. I guess you can't judge um, a realtor, you know, by its cover, a book by its cover, because you're wearing the Hawaiian right now, but you sound pretty smart with it. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a podcast. We're supposed to be relaxed. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Thirty one years. Actually, been in it since uh, when my mom was licensed when I was one years old. So I kind of been around it a few years. Uh, so have you? I mean, I bet you. And it, you know, in fact, I bet you you and Morgan know a lot more than other realtors just from being around it and, and hearing it. Then you know, um, you know, and I, I think that's what people should do. They should talk to other people and, and listen and, and, and hear the stories because the stories 
are the things that uh, really help you, real real life type things. So, let's answer this question and, and log off by Greg. What strategies are sellers doing to make sure they have something to move into once their property sells? The the rent back. We just talked about that earlier. That's a that's a big thing. Um, and you know, and people that are doing rent backs are also trying to find a rental. Now, finding the rentals are very very hard. Uh, I just had a client that uh, wanted to sell their house because they wanted to um, make make sure that when they were building that they they knew that their house was going to be gone. And, and then they couldn't find anything to rent and they're kind of getting down to the end. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to buy a house. And so he ended up buying a house to be able to kind of hang out and rent in that we're going to turn around and then sell later. And this one was kind of a, one we got in on early and uh, it's already gone up quite a bit. And so it's going to work out really good. But um, rather than going out and renting and getting some, something exorbitant, um, he was able to purchase something and then uh, hopefully going to be able to get out of it uh, scot-free and make it a, a free type thing for him. Awesome. Make sure if you missed the live stream, you can always watch the video stream on the Facebook page. If you like listening on audio, we're on every platform, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, our Anchor website has all the different um, broadcasting platforms. Make sure to send us in questions so you can get them answered. We usually hit on them. And what else do you have to say, Mr. Hawaiian? Uh, I have, uh, I, I'm telling you to stay healthy this weekend. Don't get beat up. Uh, good luck in playoffs. Awesome. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.